You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. You know, Mary, uh, we've been talking about conservatism. Uh, you know, we're faced now with uh, what seems to be the disintegration of the real conservative movement, I think, uh, as it splits into Trump and the Trump party, which doesn't really resemble uh, the conservative movement. I guess Mitt Romney, that kind of whole part of the party. And, and so I was thinking a little bit about where this comes from. So I'm going to give you a thesis. You know, I used to teach English. Part of the key is please write a thesis statement. Here's my thesis. Right. So I so I was just to jump in. I mean, I've been thinking about this and we've talked about this on and off. So I was maybe hoping you could help us, me, our listeners, you know, have some historical okay. context too from your thesis. Gotcha. Theme. Let me give you my thesis. Okay. I think the conservative movement in the United States, there's another conservative movement in Europe but it's got nothing to do with this, same name. I think it actually begins with Roosevelt and certain parts of conservative uh, rhetoric, even today, come from there uh, because it was a very business-oriented viewpoint. The businesses feared uh, Roosevelt. Uh, They feared that the government was going to become more and more involved. They were going to support things. Uh, It's interesting. One of the businesses that feared Roosevelt the most were the newspapers. Do you know that in the 1936 election, 80% of the newspapers in the United States uh, endorsed Alf Landon? Alf Landon? Right. Yeah, it's the uh, opposition. I think I got the right guy. And... uh, I think maybe I gave the wrong name of the opponent, but the Republican candidate. Uh, Roosevelt would go on to win in like a 70% landslide. But these were, I mean, this was William Randolph Hearst. This was McCormick at the Chicago Tribune. Now, having said it kind of begins there, I think it goes through some interesting permutations, and it's why it's so complicated today. Uh, In the state of Ohio, Mr. Republican was Bob Taft, Senator Bob Taft, who was very conservative, very isolationist. Uh, By the 50s, uh, William F. Buckley begins to give kind of the intellectual underpinning to it. Uh, In the late 40s, early 50s, Milton Friedman at the University of Chicago uh, gives the economic basis to it. And then it starts to get a little crazy. Joe McCarthy. So the so if we go up to that okay. point, what would you say? And who is Edmund Burke? So is Edmund Burke like who? What is? What are the principles? I get the supporting business and um, the uh, kind of laissez-faire. Would that be right? A laissez-faire approach to the economy, not gov- no government involvement, small government. Right. Is that the way that you would describe that? Yeah, and I'm going to keep Edmund Burke uh, a little bit separate. There are similarities to Burke. Burke is, of course, an English philosopher, uh, historian, and great opponent of the French Revolution. But some of the kind of monarchist views of of Burke 
are similar to American uh, conservatism, but I think the more important ones are the ones that you, you asked. Laissez-faire economy, do not interfere with the economy. So if you think more than Burke, think Herbert Hoover. Herbert Hoover is like the perfect beginning to that part of, uh, uh, of American, American conservatism. For a long time, think isolationism as well. But, you know, as frequently happens in conservatism, and Robert Taft's the great example of that, that kind of shift. But most of all, and this is the part I think that continues into the conflict today and helps to explain Donald Trump, think alignment with major business interests, that this was the party of the corporations. The Democrats were the party of the um, labor unions, the working people, uh, the immigrants. The interesting thing to me, and, and I'll kind of be quiet on, on this, is that Donald Trump seemed to recognize that Republicans, mainstream Republicans, were tired of being just the party of major corporate interests and changed it into a populist movement instead. Am I making any sense here? Yeah, so just a couple of questions. So where do you think the, the descriptor conservative comes from, meaning they're conserving the current order or is it not, doesn't have anything to do no, with I that? No, I think um, it has to do with conserving the current order and conserving values. And I'm gonna to go to William F. Buckley on this. In the 50s, uh, Buckley wrote, Buckley was the founder of the National Re uh, Review and then, uh, you know, the uh, young conservative party, young Republicans and so forth. Buckley says society will evolve. That's a fact. But what we must do is preserve and conserve the values that we believe in, uh, values of honor, of dignity, of democracy, of truth, of all those things. And so we're trying, it's not that a conservative, Buckley says, doesn't know that things are going to change. They are, but they try and hold on to what was important to us. And that took on a lot of forms. Small town America, uh, small town business interests, even when that's not quite there. Does, does that answer your question? Yeah, that, so that's interesting because when the Republicans say they're the party of Lincoln, I always think, well, the Republican Party of the 1860s doesn't resemble in any way the Republican Party of the early uh, 20th century. No. That in the terms of the evolution of that. So that was that's kind of a question I've always had about how you, and I, that's more time than we have, but I think it helps at least me understand why today you have what are traditional conservatives. So some who have stayed and are trying to save the party, Lynn Cheney, Romney, uh, Cassidy, and they're saying, you know, the Trump and Trumpism is not a conservative uh, philosophy. It's not a conservative, it doesn't preserve conservative values. And then you have the people that have left the Republican Party, because they believe that Trumpism was an aberration of 
what Republicans stand for. And I'm thinking about there's really vocal ones like Joe Scarborough. There's the Lincoln Project. There's, you know, these never Trumpers who still are conservatives, at least they profess to being conservatives and are struggling with where do I find a home? I can support Biden right now, but I don't believe in what the Democrats are doing and want to do. I personally, John, think that is a very, not just interesting, but important um, intellectual conversation that the country should be having on those two different value systems. But somehow it's getting lost in the populist fervor of Trumpism. And I think it is true what you said, that Trumpism is a populist movement. The United States has had populist movements in the Democratic Party, in the Republican Party. I mean, like the know-nothings and all that, you think back to your history, that was a populist movement as well, right? And um, so we have long strains of populism in the United States, but I keep feeling that it is really dangerous for the United States not to have a robust conservative uh, party to counterbalance what can be the excesses of liberalism. Well, you're exactly right. And I think, I mean, you go back to Lincoln. I think it's important for us to remember that equating through not only back in history, but even now, conservatism and republicanism it is a mistake. It's, it is sometimes. Uh, the Republican Party of Abraham Lincoln had nothing to do with modern uh, conservatism. I don't think it even had much to do with European conservatism. I doubt that he would have used that word unless it was in the context of, I'm going to try and conserve the union, I guess. Probably would have said preserve. We have always had in the modern Republican Party this split. Uh, years ago, it was the split between Thomas Dewey, the fairly moderate uh, kind of Republican, and Bob Taft. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, frankly, fit into a fairly moderate thing, although he began to cooperate with Bob Taft for uh, political reasons. But by the 60s, one of the reasons that the conservative wing of the party did not get behind Richard Nixon in 1960 and uh, probably cost him the election was he adopted 14 platform points from Nelson Rockefeller. And the conservatives who would show themselves in 64 with Barry Goldwater forgave him for that. So by 1968, he had to come back and say, no, I'm gonna be conservative again. So, and you even remember uh, by the time of Reagan, remember John Anderson, who was running mm -hmm. as well. You know, so that has what we're seeing in terms of Romney and others, that has always been there. Although I'd probably contend that, that Donald Trump wouldn't know a conservative principle if he ran into it. I, I, I think he wouldn't know a principle if he ran into it. But <laughs> I clear, clearly think that he this conversation we are having he could not have, not just because he's ignorant of history, but he's not, you know, he doesn't think in those terms, meaning um, how, what, what, how say this exactly, what is it that motivates, that animates someone like Mitt Romney is that he believes, to your point, in a value system 
that has to um, that has to be an important part of whatever your politics are. That politics do not stand separate from your values. And I think we saw that really in very stark relief on Saturday, where you have seven Republicans who are saying, you know, I'm my job is to conserve, to preserve, to defend the Constitution. That's what I believe in in my core. And as a result, I have to vote to convict. Whereas you have the exact opposite of that. I think Mitch McConnell is a conservative, but he cares more about politics. He cares more about power and his own power than he does about those deep values that should be animating all of us as political beings. Well, you're exactly right. I don't know if you saw... The, uh, I believe it's the chair of the Pennsylvania uh, Republican Party uh, today <laughs> was quoted talking about uh, Senator Pat Toomey. And he says directly, I can't believe, I, only Republicans can say this stuff out loud. We did not send him there to vote his conscience. We did not send him there to do what is right. We send him there to do what we want him to do. Uh, for the classic but, uh, conservatives, uh, William F. Buckley must be leaning back in his chair uh, somewhere in heaven and just say, "Oh no, 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 not that." But it, but that's a great that's a a great example, John, because you know it's this: what is a representative democracy, right? Which or a re- republic like we are. So in other words, am I voting for you because I think you basically have the same values that I do because I don't know what's going to come up. I can't tell you what specific decisions you have to make, but you don't have to do exactly what I say, but you do have to vote based on the principles that we both agree on. This is why we always, I think, make fun of Rob Portman. I think why he's been a disappointment because many Democrats voted for Rob Portman believing that even though he's a conservative, I understand that you're going to vote for conservative principles, but that he was a principled man who would vote to defend the Constitution. And that's been disappointing when politics come, you know, sorry to have to use this word, but when politics trumps the values that we've elected you to support and defend. Exactly right. And I I know we come to the end here. One of the reasons this is so confusing, and this goes on the Democratic Party, too. I'm not going to say that that's all clear. But Republicanism has picked up so many parasites along the way. Conservatism, I'm sorry, has picked up so many parasites. And I'm going to put in there, again, in the mid-50s, when Buckley uh, uh, starts the National Review and much of the very modern intellectual conservative movement, he involves a great number of Catholics and Catholic leadership related to uh, Joe McCarthy, related, frankly, to the Kennedy family, to Father Edmund Walsh, to these groups of people become important. Go to the early 60s. Pat Robertson founds what will become the 700 Club, and it gives the roots for right wing uh, Protestantism, fundamental Protestantism to go into it. Both, we mentioned Milton Friedman, but Ayn Rand comes in and libertarianism. And I can add several more 
But all of these, along with kind of the Clarence Thomas, Thomas Antonin Scalia, all just cling to the hull of conservatism, and it creates many of its contradictions today. What a big tent. Well, this is a conversation that I would love to have again. This is very interesting. And at some point, and this is not what aboutism, we need to have a, um, you know, the other conversation about the Democratic Party and how we got to do to be where we are today. Absolutely, but we can't creep. We're no creepers. No creepers. (laughs) Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.